Welcome back to the Sustainable Stories podcast. Sustainable Stories is here to bring you the stories behind sustainability in our communities. From big to small, practical to theoretical, we're exploring the people and projects that are working to make our world a more sustainable, equitable, and healthy place to live. Welcome back to the Sustainable Stories podcast. My name is Jenna Inglot, and I will be your host for today's episode. I have with me today, Dean Kreitzer from Over the Hill Orchards, and I'm really excited to learn about their, their orchard operation here in Saskatchewan and all of the different things they grow and how they've grown over time. So welcome, Dean. Thanks for being with me today. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. So, Dean, just to start us off, I, I didn't want to steal any thunder from you at the beginning, but can you just tell us a little about, about yourself and, and who you are and what you do? Well, my wife and I, Sylvia, uh, we started uh, Over the Hill Orchards about 21 years ago. Uh, I grew up in Regina. Sylvia grew up in northern Saskatchewan on a mixed farm. I had absolutely nothing to do with horticulture at all. I wanted to be a computer game programmer and I was a techie guy and, um, and Sylvia had no, no background in, in fruit production at all. But we, we moved out to acreage about 20 minutes Northwest of Regina. And I saw all this land here and I'm like, what, what could we do with it? And uh, prior to moving out, I, I bought a whole bunch of fruit trees in Regina at a local garden center and filled up my backyard and just, I don't know, fell in love with the idea of doing that. So when we came down, came out here, I looked at 40 acres and my head exploded. And I thought, wow, why, why can't we do this here? Uh, you know, if we can grow, you know, apples and Saskatoons and, uh, you know, plums and Pe- uh, not peaches, uh, plums and apricots and all that. Why aren't we doing that uh, on the prairies? And so that kind of stuck with me. And when we moved out here, we just uh, naturally kind of went with that. And the U of S um, have developed uh, some sour cherries. Uh, and we went up to Saskatoon to, uh, to a seminar, tasted the fruit, and was completely blown away by the quality of it. And Sylvie and I decided that, yeah, let's do this. So, and 21 years later, that same question of why aren't we doing this in Saskatchewan? Well, now I know why we aren't, because it's really hard. <laughs> there are, especially in the area that we, that we uh, chose to live out here, it's not especially good for fruit growing. So um, lots of issues with our location. We have a beautiful view of the valley. And it's awesome that way. But uh, as, as far as that goes, everything else is in the negative when it comes to uh, fruit growing just in our location. So um, so we started with the cherries, uh, planted about 3,000 cherry trees, then you know expanded into grapes and pears and plums and apples and apricots. And then probably after we started uh, you know planting all that, I, we traveled all around North America to different uh, fruit growing regions, uh, Niagara, um, the Okanagan, Wisconsin, Minnesota. And then I went down to uh, California and spent three days with an apricot breeder. So I learned about fruit breeding, uh, how to do it and brought that knowledge back up to uh, Saskatchewan. So I've been trying to do fruit breeding to um, basically to create new varieties that are more adapted for the prairie climate. So 
yeah, so that's kind of how we got started. And then things happened over the years. Our business plan changed just because Mother Nature said, no, no, you're not going to do that. Or or the climate changed or customer, um, you know, um, I guess what they appreciate and what they want, their needs changed. And so now after 21 years, we are a winery. Uh, we host uh, chef suppers out here. Um, with local chefs and we have picnics out here and it's it's now turned into a place where people come to escape and to fall in love with the place like we did 21 years ago so it's it's a big circle and everything's changed and yeah so it's it's quite yeah it was quite the experience that's for sure yeah wow that's amazing I yeah I noticed on your website that um you know you guys were doing sort of more of the on farm experience and and that that tourism aspect of it can you talk a bit more about that Dean like I I yeah I'm curious I'm sure that wasn't necessarily always your plan so how did that sort of come to be was it sort of just a market uh that you saw an opportunity for people to come experience the farm on the farm or what did that look like I I think from going to the Okanagan and you know Baltimore and you know all these different places we saw orchards and we saw tourism and how important it was. So it was always in the back of our minds, but the infrastructure required, you know, to have a on-site building that, you know, had a cafe and all these things, it costs, costs money. So uh, we had to build up our orchard first. So that took a lot longer than we thought. And once you kind of go down a path of, you know, production and making products, like our first product was uh, chocolate covered cherries. And we sold uh, them around, you know, Regina for the first little while and, and expanded. And the Queen of England had them in, had one in 2005 when she came for the uh, uh, 100, 100 year celebration of Saskatchewan, which was really cool. I thought it was going to be on Oprah next, you know, but that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, we started with the chocolate covered cherries, then we went to jams and juices and, you know, syrups and all that sort of thing. And just, so the, so we kind of got, I guess, a little bit distracted. Um, and the reality is we couldn't do what we're doing now. We couldn't do 10 years ago or 15 years ago because we just didn't have the infrastructure in place and the capital and, and the money. So, yeah, so it's kind of, we always knew it was important. And now, like when people come out here, um, they they fall in love with the place. They fall in love with, you know, the products that we make. Um, you know, they're interested in our story and we get so many people say, why would you do this? And, and they go, oh, it's so much work. And I say, well, if I, if we didn't put so much work in and there was nothing to see here, you wouldn't be here. So, you know, um, the reason you're here is because we put in all this work. So it kind of makes sense that way. So now we feel like we're in a position where, you know, we have, we have a winery, we have a, a building that has been renovated for tourism, for winery. Um, you know, we, ha- we always had the view. So, um, and now we have with our chef suppers, lots of attention, you know, cooperating with other local people, local businesses and all that has always been a, you know, a high priority for us and creating something that we couldn't on our own. So when you get every week, you know, every weekend, you get different chefs coming and a different menu. And complete, so it's, you know, you can go three, four or more times a year and it's a completely different experience, especially 
you know, you come in the spring, the summer and the fall, uh, everything's changed, you know, the the trees in the spring, you know, you have blossoms, you have, you know, different fruits available and summer, you know, it's hot and, you know, you have the cherries and then in the fall, you have the beautiful, you know, fall colors of the valley and all that. So um, we're more focused on tourism, getting people to come out here. Uh, It's a lot more dependable that is a lot more dependable than trying to grow fruit and being like financially, because there's so many risks in growing fruit with frost, mm-hmm. with, you know, wind, like, uh, you know, we had 126 kilometer hour wind a few weeks ago and, you know, um, you know, thunderstorms and deer and, you know, hail. And uh, there's just so many things that can go wrong. So if you're dependent on the weather to be perfect, so you can get some apricots to sell at the farmer's market, that's, risky and you can only go so long where eventually things are not going to work out and then you're stuck with lots of bills to pay and no money coming in so it so long story uh, long long answer but it, the tourism was always there uh, in our minds but now we're finally able to uh, you know utilize it right yeah and it sounds like you know it was really um like added to the diversity of what you guys are doing in terms of being able to make the farm work from a financial sustainability perspective as well. So um, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Very cool. And I, I mean, Mm. I've even noticed in my, you know, my circles, you know, I grew up, um, grew up on the farm, grew up in agriculture, grew up, um, you know, quite connected to my food system and still am, but it always really surprised me even in, in university, how few people, um, you know, had that experience or had that opportunity. And so, you know, you guys even providing an opportunity for people to come out, you know, and sit and enjoy your view and eat food that's, you know, cooked by a local chef and, you know, probably grown low, you know what I mean? There's all those opportunities that, you know, maybe you and I, um, having, you know, lived it and, and experienced it, but for a lot of folks, that's really unique and, and a really neat experience. So that's very cool that you yeah. guys have, have I, I th- made that a part I of I think your so. Work. And that's, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's kind of what we, we wanted to create that feeling of, uh, wow. When we, when we first came to view the property 21 years ago, we were just blown away by the, by the view and the serenity and the escape from the hustle and bustle of city life. And then you add on top of that, all of, all of the other things that we offer, um, you know, it, it's, it's just, uh, it resonates with people, especially in times of COVID, you know, you feel people feel cooped up and all that and, um, you know, wanting to escape a little bit. And so, yeah, it, it seems to, like I say, resonate. So yeah. that's good. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. So shifting gears a little bit, Dean, um, and this, I know this has probably changed over time. So you're feel free to share a story about how this has changed, but where do you, I guess the, the mark, the, the growing, the processing and the marketing process of your guys's um, operation, how does that work and, and where do you market your products and what has, how has that changed over time? What is that process like for, for over the hill? So it started uh, like a lot of businesses early on. The, the big issue is uh, people don't aren't aware of you, you know. So we did a lot of uh, trade shows. So going out to you know Winnipeg and Edmonton and you know Medicine Hat, Saskatoon, all that sort of thing to get the word out um, because we were so new. So there were times where we had twenty eight trade shows a year, 
and as a as a business and as a as parents of two young uh, children and all that that was very uh, time consuming and tiring and all that we were younger then so we could handle it better <laughs> so um we were basically our our focus was to get the word out to uh, show people uh, to get awareness out there and now you know after so many years uh, we still get people that come out like last year um I never heard of you guys. I didn't, you know, all this. And so it's still always an issue, but now it's more like we want after 20 years, you do get some traction. You do get some followers out there and people go, Oh yeah, I heard of you. You know, there's a little bit of um, knowledge or awareness out there. So now we're doing a lot less trade shows. Um, and we, again, we want people to come to us. Sounds, sounds selfish, but you know, we feel that we have some, something to offer that people can come to us instead. And it isn't just about the products. The products were always organic and low sugar and healthy and all that sort of thing. And they tasted great. But for people to drive two hours to pick up a jar of jam, you know, that not going to happen for people to drive two hours to sit on the patio or sit on our hill with a picnic basket and have cheese and crackers while drinking some wine overlooking the Valley. Yeah. People will do that. So it's, you know, it's changed a lot. We were at one point thinking about and really attempting to be like a, not a major brand, but a larger brand using, you know, prairie grown fruit to sell across Canada and all that. And uh, the quality was there. What we can grow in Saskatchewan and the prairies is, is amazing, but the cost is so high compared to international, you know, conglomerates or, 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 you know, large companies that can buy fruit for so cheap. And so we just, we competed very well on the quality, but not very well on the cost. So places like Costco and, and other, you know, big brands were interested, but we just couldn't compete. So, you know, that came as a real shock to us. And it, it also guided us back to the tourism thing, uh, tourism aspect, and kind of gave us a little kick in the head to say, no, no, go back here where you wanted to in the beginning. So, Sometimes you get distracted by, by things. So, yeah, so it's really changed a lot. Um, you know, farmers market all the time. You know, that's about the only thing we do now is outside of the orchard is, is a farmer's market and maybe one or two trade shows. That's about it. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's really interesting that it it's shifted. Um, and, yeah. and you, you, you use the word, the term distracted. I think that's, that's interesting too, right? Something comes up and you're kind of, you're on a particular path, but something new comes about and you're following that now. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's, it's very interesting that the whole process. Yeah. There's lots of opportunities and, you know, you see things and you go, Ooh, that would be cool. And so, you know, and then you, you kind of lose focus on, on what your, your core, I don't know, meaning or your core being of what you wanted to do you get distracted by profits or opportunity or not fame but i don't know um and you kind of forget about what your original goal is so we now have sort of a three or four things that we highlight that we when an idea or an opportunity comes up we go okay does it hit these three or four or does it hit two of these things so it kind of cements you back you know where the overall goal of the, of our business in. And, and at this point, 
after 21 years, you feel a kind of sense of, well, I've paid my debt to society. You know, I've paid my debt to, to do all these trade shows and it's hard, you know, it's physically hard and, and all that. And it's like, you know, we should be working smarter or more efficiently and all that and less physically loading up the van and setting up a trade show and doing that for 28 weekends a year is, is physically hard. And being 35 or, you know, 50, that's a big difference there. So there's the reality of what your body can do. And you should use this muscle more than your back muscle. So yeah, using your brain. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So things have changed to kind of, uh, organically, naturally, and based on, you know, what people are wanting. Um, there's a lot of competition, a lot of competition out there. When we first started making cherry products, we were the only cherry producer or cherry processor out there. And then a few years later, then other people came in and, you know, trade shows that used to have one or two jam makers had 11, you know, well, there's only so much jam people can buy. So, yeah, so you have to diversify and all that. So it's, it's kind of, things were planned out, but things were also knee jerk reaction to what happened in the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, it seems like you guys have done an excellent job of diversifying with that and building out where you could and and where it's where it met met the needs. So that's awesome. Um, shifting okay. gears, yeah. shifting gears a little bit, Dean. Um, so on your farm, we chatted about this when when you, you know we first asked you to be on the podcast. But I I would love if you could share a bit about um, and you feel free to use a different term. We use the term sustainability quite quite broadly on this podcast. Um, but I'm curious about your, your operations and your, your practices on the orchard, um, and how you guys do things and how you define the term sustainability and what that looks like, um, at the orchard. Well, because I grew up in Regina, I didn't have a, like a, um, agricultural background. So I didn't grow up with the idea of using chemicals and, you know, synthetic fertilizers. So when I started taking education through the U of S about horticulture and all that, I saw all this and it was really introduced to me. And I thought it was very odd that, or I questioned it, um, because it was like, so I really have to spray a fungicide, you know, to kill disease or I really have to do all this. So I questioned it and I thought, well, is there a better way? Um, and better way is kind of, you know, that's up for interpretation, but there are definitely other ways. And in our travels around North America, we, we visited organic farms and, um, saw that there are different ways of handling problems and, um, you know, usually a lot more work and you don't typically get the money you put into it back because here in Saskatchewan and the prairies, um, the, just the customer, People are don't, I guess, um, value organic um, growing as much as other parts of the world. And that's just the reality. To me, it just made sense if I don't have to put on a mask and get all in my hazmat suit to go spray my fruit, fruit that I'm going to serve to customers in you know a few weeks. It just, I don't know, there was just a disconnect there. Like, really, I have to put on this mask and protect myself. And so I just didn't like it from the beginning. I wasn't like a... Um, you know, sustainability freak in Regina or anything like that. But when you move out and you take, you take custody over 40 acres, something changes in you or it did in me. And it's sort of like, well, I have a little bit of a responsibility to take care of the place, you know, take care of the land and, and not to, I guess, I don't know, exploit it or whatever, you know, take care of it. So 
I always had that in me. So we, we uh, began doing organic and got certified for how many years? Um, probably 15 years. And then the, the reality is uh, people just like, I couldn't get any more money for my products because they're organic. So I dropped our certification last year. Uh, we still grow organic. We still bring in like uh, for sugar, you know, when we make our jam, still bring in organic cane sugar for all that sort of thing. So nothing's changed there. It's just the cost went down and all that. And it's kind of sad, but you know, that's the reality of it. We can't, can't preach to people. So there was that. And then it was just sort of a lot of common sense sort of things. It's like, um, you know, um, if I don't have to spend extra money, not being frivolous or anything, but it's like when you build the building, like we built our processing building a nine years ago, eight, nine years ago, you know, we did things like putting in good insulation. Uh, we put in um, geothermal heating and cooling for the winery. Cost us probably an extra twenty to $25,000. But every year, we, it's very, very efficient. It doesn't cost us a lot to run it. Um, this year we put up, um, a solar panel array, which basically should give us, we're become a net zero company. Um, so, and at the beginning I, you know, I, I preached a little bit because I was excited about being organic and being sustainable and all that sort of thing, but preaching doesn't work. And, and so now I don't say much, people Mm -hmm. just come and they see instead of hearing words of what you should do, being talked down to. Uh, people just come and see and see what we do. And you don't have to say much unless they ask a question, which I get a lot of questions, you know? So, so it's a lot better that way, you know, when, when to see sustainability practices, um, you know, in person, um, because you put your money where your mouth is sort of thing. And so it's always, yeah, it's always been about simplicity and trying to do things, um, you know, with common sense sort of thing if you don't have to put a lot of sugar in your jam and it still tastes great well why not make it low sugar yeah that sort of idea you know why why do that thing when when you don't have to just yeah. because everybody's using making jam with 66 percent sugar in it why do we have to do that let's make ours with 22 percent tastes great. great awesome it's low in sugar better for diabetics you know and, and all that sort of thing so it's just it's just common sense sort of thing. And I think once we can make, make choices out there that are just common sense, you know, I think uh, it's a, it's a no brainer. sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's really interesting that you, you're focused to, you know, you did the geothermal, you, you, uh, you know, did heavy insulation in, in buildings that you built and things like that. Um, my husband, Matt and I, this, this house that we're in here, rurally about an hour outside of Saskatoon, um, we built uh, a passive style house. So, you know, we have 12 inch thick walls and it's super insulated and really didn't cost us all that much more. And we don't have to heat our house. Like our electric furnace has never started. And so similarly, we don't spend a ton of time preaching to people, but people will come visit, um, you know, and they'll make comments like, wow, this is, this is wild. This is interesting. How did this? Okay. And then, you know, seeing, I I really appreciate what you said about, you know, living those values, practicing those values and implementing them um, is really where people learn from, as opposed to maybe, you know, this is how you do it. And this is how you have to do it. And this is why Um, just, you know, living that and then people kind of come to it 
it's slow, but people kind of come to that on their own through asking questions and learning as well. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I found. I felt like at some points I was, you know, at Mosaic Stadium on on the podium talking to nobody because no one wanted to hear what I wanted to say, but people are interested in seeing what I'm doing. That's different. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a, an adjustment. And uh, it was all not all out of just being excited about it. <laughs> and it wasn't that I thought I was better than anybody or anything like that. It was just like, look what I did. Look what you can do. And, you know, it's all about that. But it came, I think it came across more as preaching. So, you know, you, you learn, you learn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that you're just, you know, you're doing it. And especially now that the, the tourism part is a, you know, a big part of what you guys are doing while well, people come in, they're sitting there with their glass of wine and they're probably going to ask you some questions about those things and, and, and learn yep. from it that way. So yeah, that's, that's exactly. very cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious, just as a way to kind of end us off, um, next for, for over the hill orchards is like, do you have sort of a, you know, you said you sort of shift gears and, and things kind of move around naturally or organically. Um, but yeah, what, what's next? Do you, you, anything exciting or new that you have coming up this upcoming year or five years? Yeah. Anything uh, that you have that's up and coming and exciting. Uh, from the production side, I've started building uh, greenhouses because mother nature says, no, you can't grow peaches here, Dean but I've been growing peaches here for 12 years or so. It's very difficult. And, you know, Cabernet Sauvignon grapes and all of these fruits that can't be grown in Saskatchewan, I do. And it's a lot of work and it's very risky and you're not, it's not very dependable. So I um, put up some greenhouses and every year I'm going to be putting up more and more greenhouses so I can grow things that you can't grow here and be more successful. So things like figs and mulberries and peaches and blackberries and all that sort of thing. So, so I've been doing that for the last, uh, you know, growing tender fruits uh, the last 15 years or maybe 10, 12 years has been really cool. And you can't beat a, um, an Ontario peach or a, Okanagan peach grown in Saskatchewan and juice gall down your face and that's <laughs> worth a lot but uh, so now it's just being able to grow um, more successfully and more sustainable sustainably um, using passive solar heating in my greenhouses to keep to keep um, you know me growing strawberries until November without any fossil fuels. So things like that and learning how they grow, have bermed greenhouses in, in China that, you know, insulate from all three sides and wallapinis in Peru and that dig in the ground and, you know, all of these different technologies and really going back to the basics. And I just love that. If I wasn't a fruit farmer I, and if I was more technologically like uh, handy, um, I'd be building lots of solar powered stuff and yeah i'm just kind of a a nerd when it comes to that so um luckily i have friends that are a lot better builders than i am so <laughs> but uh so so it's more about you know showing um you know things that we can grow pushing the envelope it's always about pushing the envelope and when people see the envelope being pushed it inspires them sometimes and it may be inspiring people say i'm really inspired by you because you gave up your computer job to do all of this and and sometimes that inspiration comes from sources you uh you know you wouldn't think 
would inspire you. So, and, and people, when they come out and they see the things we're doing, they, you know, maybe get inspired to, Hey, let's put led light bulbs in our house, you know, and let's, you know, shut off the lights when we leave the room or whatever, you know, yeah. uh, treating, treating resources as a finite, you know, as finite is the way you should do it. So, um, it's kind of important to do things like that. And, and people don't, we don't really know what we don't really know. Mm-hmm. So I get a lot of inspiration by going online and viewing videos, see what other people are doing. And there's sometimes where I'm watching a video is like, Oh, I'm not going to get anything out of this. And then it's like, Oh, wow. That's kind of hmm, interesting. I wonder if I can do that except do it this way and blah, blah, blah. So a lot of my inspiration comes from, alternate things or, or things that really weren't applicable, but you can make applicable. So, so the next few years is all about basically pushing the envelope more, um, creating a, a more, um, I guess, desirable location for people to come doing some landscaping, um, you know, more programs for people to just come out and relax and enjoy the view and enjoy mother nature and enjoy good food and good wine and all that. So it's just focusing on our strengths. That's awesome. That sounds great. Um, I look forward to sometime Matt and I making a trip out there and, and uh, yeah, coming for a glass of wine and, and maybe a, a chef meal. That sounds great. And we'll have to keep in touch, Dean. So um I'm always kind of experiment, experimenting with different things out here too, but we have one south facing, we're very hilly. We're in the thick wood hills, um, north and west of Blaine Lake. Um, but I have one south facing hill. And every time I walk past there, I think, wouldn't it be neat to dig into that hill? Like just a little, like just dig a, a little greenhouse into the hill and have sort of glass facing. And so every year, Matt and I, we've got lots of projects on the go right now, but it's one of those ones in the future. So I might have to come yeah. and uh, learn from some of your greenhouse projects and <laughs> I'll get some inspiration. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. There's lots of, lots of areas. Uh, if you've got the side of a hill, you've got protection from, you know, it's just like your house, 12 in, you've got 12 inches of insulation. Well, that, that hillside has got a lot of insulation in there. So you definitely can, can yeah. do stuff in there, but it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of manual labor. And that's what, uh, that's the, the trade-off with a lot of these things is, is, is more manual labor and, and, and that. So, but you know, you don't have to heat your house, yes, <laughs> which exactly. is really good. Yeah. yeah so that, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, building this house was a lot of manual labor for two of us, but yep. it, yeah, we're glad we did it and it worked out. So yep. um, awesome. Well, Dean, just to to leave people with something, um, you, you know, you said, obviously there's people can come to the farm, but um, in the meantime, where is the best or what is the best way for people to engage with you guys and interact? Um, you know, please feel free to share your website or social media or anything you'd like people to to know. So. Yeah, so we're we're on you know social media, Twitter and uh, you know Instagram and Facebook, so you can contact uh, through us uh, through them, or on our website overthehillorchards.ca, not .com, .ca, and um, yeah, any type of uh, you know we sell fruit trees. You know, if you want to grow fruit trees, we do. I do um, uh, con- container gardening seminars, so it's on all online to show you how to grow using containers because that's how we grow a lot of these you know tender fruits so strawberries from france and 
blackberries and you know the peaches they're all grown in containers so how to water them take care of them and you know grow your own corn in in bags is you know so we have lots of different learning things so that's all online so there's lots of opportunities um if people need to ask about how to prune a cherry tree or anything like that you can just contact me through email or through the social media so sort of things and if you want to come out for a chef's supper or a picnic in the orchard uh, that's all online and you can reserve a spot uh, for picnics they're open we we start in may or basically if it's a nice day and you want to come out just contact us and we'll probably let you <laughs> so <laughs> perfect well that's awesome i'm excited to check out um check out your workshops as well dean so thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast today we really appreciate it no problem you take care Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Sustainable Stories podcast. This podcast is hosted by myself, Jenna Inglot, as well as Roxanne Wagner from Sage Sustainable Solutions Consulting. For a full list of episodes, as well as more information about Sage, check us out online at sagesustainable.com. And as always, we welcome your feedback, thoughts, and suggestions. Catch you next time.